In this episode of the Sparks podcast, I'm delighted to bring you the second of three interviews I did with Simon North. In this one, we're covering topics including how to build the capabilities of new business for the future, and Simon's top tips on developing the skills of learning for managers, and how they can shift from micromanaging to leaders. Also, you'll hear later on my ideas on making time for growth in your business. I hope you enjoy it, and as usual, if you have comments, please drop them below or send me a note to sparks at igniumconsult.com. So Simon, the, the other piece we were going to talk about was very much around um, helping businesses understand not just the, the types of people. You talked last time about A grading, top grading with regard to A, Bs and Cs of people. And I wonder, what advice would you give to people around the subject of understanding the type of capability we need to move forward? And when we last talked, you talked about uh, a sports team or Olympic team, understanding you know, who you need in the boat, but also the team around you. Sense that we all we all need the plumber, but we can't do the plumbing job. So yeah. you, how would you how would you look at a business and say these are the type of skills or capabilities you need to get yourself forward for the next period of your strategic journey? What's going on around that? Well, I I think um, I think right at the moment, um, Phil, one of the things that's becoming quite obvious to um, quite a lot of organisations in the economy is that the way that they were doing business um, externally with their customers and with their supply chains as well as internally with each other is changing and it has to change. And we know that there are some, uh, a small number I suspect, but there are some who are absolutely flying. Um, you know, th- we're on the Zoom platform today. They're a good example of an organization who's, you know, whose um, technology and so on has, has met its moment and good for them. And there will be others like that. And there are many who will go to the wall. And we're already, uh, you know, I've just come to this conversation with you, having heard of another couple of organizations well known that are shedding, you know, shedding labor. Um, we're going to see, you know, significant amount of that as well. But even those who, uh, who are going to be able to return and still have businesses probably they've been you know significantly jarred you know in terms of their performance this year um, but have the wherewithal to um, to continue I think all of them are going to have to be really mindful of what it is that they need and the need is going to be driven by their understanding of what it is that they think they can take to market because some of what they were taking to market is no longer rele- relevant. It's possibly completely, um, you know, devastated. So, um, you know, I, I don't know why this comes to, to mind. But if you think about those sorts of um, uh, rental offices, the WeWorks and the Office Group and so on, I would love to be, you know, listening to to their conversations about where they where they think they're going to be going. You know, they've had, uh, not all of them, but some of them have had massive uh, amount of debt in order to create the contracts to have long-term availability of space, which may or may not now be used because people are now thinking, I can work from home. I don't need to go into, you know, the cities to to, to sit in those places. So, you know, and then you think about the, the people who are responsible or are agents of commercial property, who are going to be dealing with that sort of issue, with office space no longer having the demand um, uh, that it had, retail literally uh, being carved up and going almost exclusively E in in the next few years, and so on. So there are some really major um, 
disruptions. They're like sort of a series of earthquakes that really require organizations to think hard about need. So that's on the that's on this, if you like, the demand side of this equation. And then the other part of your question was about capability and capability um, being related to the needs that you now think that you have. Um, I, I think, you know, in a funny sort of way, I think the capability issue is easier to handle um, than, than, the, than the need one, because I don't think I can't think of any other disruption that we've had in our lifetimes, which have changed the order of needs assessment and identification ever. Yeah. Whereas in terms of the people thing, you know, what you know is that you hire these people because you thought they were good. And they've probably done their darndest through this last few months to, to do what you, you've asked them to do. Their capacities to actually step up and do what it is you're going to need in the future, that, you know, there's going to be a, there's going to be quite a lot of that available to you. The um, But there are also going to be some things you think, hmm, that's interesting. We don't have that. And that's where I think there's going to be an important choice that organizations make about, OK, if we need that, do we hire it? And put it on our permanent staff, or do we actually um, rent it uh, through 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 gig economy workers? And, and I think that's an interesting one that we talked in the previous podcast about you know, Charles Handy talking about that many years ago. Um, and, and actually, this this new way of working may be the thing that businesses need to consider now. Um, and coming back to the analogy you used with the plumber, you're not you're not handy with a spanner. You wouldn't try and do it yourself. You'll go and find someone who's the expert to do it. And a lot of yeah. business owners, I find it in especially in the SME world, think they should be trying to do it themselves. And they, they forget that they need to look outside of themselves to find the person to do the job properly and correctly and get it done quicker. And I often talk to people, you use the word capacity earlier, I often talk to people about you know, the capacity to achieve work, to get, get things being productive in your company. And, and part of that comes to that if I could improve the capability of the team you've got, they'll be able to do more in a given period of time. Essentially, you know, upskill people, you do more. And one of the fears I've got is that coming out of this type of uncertain time, businesses a lot of times say, you know, we've got to stick to our knitting. We, we can't afford to keep all these people. We can't afford to train the people anymore. Let's just do with what we've got. And, and you often see this after recessions and depressions and, and economic downturns where things like the training budget is cut. And it was always the standard joke also that businesses would cut their marketing budget because they couldn't afford it. They would focus on just selling things, which my belief is the wrong thing to do. So when you think about capabilities of people and you think about doing needs assessment in terms of what talent you need in your organization, I wonder what you would say to people at the moment who are seriously considering the budgets they've got and how do they manage the need for training and also the need to cut budgets at the same time. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, um, you're absolutely right that that uh, training budgets and marketing budgets tend to be the uh, the easy things to chop because um, uh, you know inevitably costs need to be reduced, but we also typically can take a view that they're that that's easy, and because we don't see an immediate return. On any investment of our dollars, we think, oh well, you know, that, that, there's no, there's no point. Of course, what what's implicit in your question is that's completely the wrong way um, to think about it. Um, but this is this is my um, my view is that when you are in the in the doo doo, as it were, when things are really really tough and they're likely to be tough for quite some time, you don't need 
um, you know, fantastic, um, beautiful, shiny solutions uh, from the training wing. What I would really, really suggest to people is that they recognize um, training is in the in time. So people have time in their working day, whether they be managers and, and leaders or whether they be, um, you know, just members of a, of a team, where they're actually allowed to learn. Because it's the learn, it's the learning and growth issue, which is the really key concept here. It's not the training budget. So um, I'll give you an example. If you are um, running a team of, of eight people and we were talking on a previous podcast about, you know, the sort of categorization if you, of people and of their performance and, and what you think their capabilities are. Um, you may well just choose as you, as the manager. You've got in that group of eight people, you've got two who are in your A-listers. They're the people that you want to make sure are fine, and and they're 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 given their head and they feel completely right and secure and fit and you know etc. To do what they you know that they can do for you is just is to carve out time as a manager to make sure that you do give them time every day if necessary every week ask them you know because the, if you've got two of them the likelihood is their demands of you are going to be different and you will have a view of them and how much time you think you don't want to be with them but it's 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 thinking about training and indeed it could be marketing if you're in in that sort of a, an innovative arena um uh, and think of it in that way which is a practical use of time so one of the one of the great underlying assumptions that we're making in our conversation here is that we have done enough examination of what we're spending our time doing because as you were speaking earlier on quite often people are doing jobs which aren't their jobs to do and that is that often happens with managers we call it micromanaging we have somebody who's never known how to grow out of their previous role or the or the level that they were at and they're being paid at a higher level but they're never actually doing any of that they're too busy doing what they're what they were doing um so actually doing and this is a very simple thing for people to do is to just do a do a quick analysis of where the time is going not with any at this stage any pejorative view but identifying if this is our team and this is what we're here for linked to the purpose of the organization we're in here are the top things that we should be attending to. Could you tell me in your typical day, week, month, how much time are you spending there? And have a look at it. And what you'll be able to do if it's a team of eight and you're the lead, you'll say the nine of us, would you believe, are spending 37% in this arena and whatever, whatever. And what's your view of that 37%? Because that's our main purpose. We're only spending a third of our time there. What, what's going on? Oh well, we could get distracted. So how? What do you think? What do we think it should be? Oh, sixty percent. All right. So how are we going to move to sixty percent? Right from thirty-seven. And what's the impact going to be on each of us individually and collectively? What's the likely outcome and our alignment to our contribution to the business going? So you know, it takes just a few seconds to explain that to you, but it's amazing how simple something like that can be to understanding how it's almost like a leeching of your capability and, and, and the, the bit that really resonates with me i've talked for many years to companies about dividing their time up and i talk about four types of time and i talk about a lot of businesses 
will start up their business, especially this works in the, the small business arena specifically. Um, they start up the business because they're really good at doing something. They're good at either selling something or they're really good at producing a product and they want to sell it. And, and, and once they develop that need, they then go and start doing it. And they make it, they, they build it, and they sell it to a customer. But they forget at some stage, the only way the business makes money is when the money comes in. So they have to start doing their, spending their time bringing in money. And businesses often in early days flip between producing revenue and accounting for the revenue, producing it, accounting. And, and, and typically I talk about red and blue time, and that comes from the work I did with Sherlock's many years ago, around the blue is about revenue today, the red is about the, the, the back office, it's the lifeblood of your business. And the key about red and blue businesses, they survive, and there's hundreds of thousands of those around the world where they're just red, blue businesses. Make money, spend money, make money, spend money. But the really successful businesses are the ones that go up a layer, and they go up into the black space. And I call it black because black is all around looking to the future. It's about building equity in the business. It's about getting your business into the black as opposed to in the red in accounting terms. And black space is around taking yourself out of the daily grind, out of the daily doing, into thinking about the future. Thinking about what is it I need to be doing to keep myself on purpose, to make sure my positioning is right in the marketplace, to make sure my product strategy is right, and to build all the channels we need to market. And so few business owners take the time each week to do that strategic thinking. There was an HB article, HBR article recently where they talked specifically about making time each day, each week, each month for, for leaders of businesses to step into strategic space. And often they talk about 5 to 10% of their time should be spent on that strategic element. And I think that's one of the key things that I've seen businesses forgetting to do at this time, where it's all hands to the pump. We've just got to keep the business afloat. But actually, sometimes you need to look up and see the wood for the trees. And that's the bit I'm picking up on what you're saying there, is this assessing how much time we, sh- we can and are spending on our strategic purpose, as opposed to just making it work today. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think that what we were saying earlier on uh, is the reason that you don't have the time to do it, because you get caught up in things which you... Uh, shouldn't be doing yourself Um, but it sometimes takes you a while to realize that that's um, a bad use of your time and the other one is is your time and where that is being expended and it somehow seems a luxury for um, for some uh, to actually do what you're suggesting or the HBR article is suggesting which is to you know get get time get time with each other. I mean, what, what has always amazed me is, uh, you know, back to your point about, you know, we know we can do something and let's start a business. Actually, at that point, uh, they, there is there tends to be a more visionary, strategic type of conversation, even if it's only for a matter of moments. They must have had one, you know, in order to, to think, well, we'll go and do this. Um, but to be reminded of that, to come back and, and, and regularly reflect as well as look forward is this where we thought we would be i was talking to a friend of mine who um who started a technology business and then sold it eight years later and i asked um the sort of question you 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 would ask which is you know what what is the one thing you would say to anybody who who'd been through what you've been through and he said that at the end of year one you're nowhere near where you thought you'd be at the beginning of year one and when you get to the end of year two, the same thing has happened and it happens year after year after year. Well, if that is the case, and that's because 
your markets, your customers, your whatever, everything's changing and you have to navigate your way through. But unless you're having the chance with your co-founder, founders, directors to reflect on it, you know, you're, you're going to find yourself one of the, the very high percentage of companies that don't make it uh, to, to the fifth year of operating. And I think that's a really key point, isn't it? And it almost comes back to that question I asked right at the beginning in terms of how do you help a business assess the capability they need for the future? And to me, this is a strategic activity in terms of designing the organisation, looking at the roles that you need, looking at the marketplace and what they want, and then assessing what else could other people do apart from me? And again, we see this a lot of times in that micromanagement you mentioned earlier, where people think they should be doing it because they can do it. And, and, and I wonder sometimes whether people are trying to do too many things. And, and to me, there's a, there's a mix between energy and capability. I might be the best accountant in the world if I was in that world. But have I got the energy to do the accounts on a daily basis? Have I got the energy to do the, the basic bookkeeping? And actually, is that my job to do it if I'm the FD of a company? And the answer is no, because I should be looking more strategically. But too many people I see get stuck into that micromanagement because they, they enjoy doing it and they don't want to see the wood for the trees. So yeah, that's an interesting point from my well, perspective. They, they, yeah, they're, they're, they're happy and and they think they're secure. Of course, they're not secure. We know that over time. Um, but but you and I spoke on a on another podcast about difference and all the differences. I think aligned a to that um, is uh, this is the differences uh, that individuals are and bring to to organisations. In my experience. Um, it's only when you get into the detail of what it is you're trying to sort out that where you see people um, having a different level of understanding about something quite complex and you begin to think, well, I'd never thought that, you know, that accountant would be that strategic or, you know, that mechanical background would be so numerate or whatever it may be. Thing People surprise you. And um and as part of this issue of capability and need, um, people in front of you and around you actually begin to show parts of themselves, which there is no reason up until now necessarily, unless you were curious about it, naturally, uh, you would have known. They have applied. They had a degree in this and a diploma in that and an experience here and there. And you're hiring them to do A when actually They've got real skills in F, G and H, you know, and, and I think right now in these this period of turbulence, um, I think we're going to see more of that. But it is predicated on um, organizations through their line managers. And it is them. It's not the talent people. It's the line managers because talent have got a more futuristic view of things. Um, you know, how, how do I make sure I've got enough input um, in the in the areas that I now have need of, and people around you will surprise you. Yeah, and they'll step up. And, and one thing I'd love to talk on a separate podcast with you about is this: this how do you then advise and mentor and consult those people in your team? How do you make time for it? But that's for another day. Um, yeah. But I think there's a there's a story here around how do you help those people who have got that skill which you didn't recognise in the first place step yeah. up. And as a business, if we've understood the capability we need 
to tackle the market going forward. We didn't know what this capability was at this time, but you know, my passion is around strategy. And I often see people in businesses developing strategic programs and forgetting about the real skills they need and the capability they need for the individuals longer term because they're too busy in the day-to-day. And the bit I'm taking from what you're saying there is that you know, we need to look at this from a point of view of not just looking at the talent management of the business, but actually looking on the line management and say, well, what skills do you need in your team? And actually also asking the question, who in your team might have those skills and maybe you haven't given them the chance to shine yet? I think that's right. And, and you know, we're, we're talking, I, I was thinking earlier on about sort of quite practical skills, but there are other other skills which are um, maybe more strategic, more conceptual type skills. Uh, um you know, I think the the, the work by um, Elliot Jacks, uh, which which was about work levels, is really interesting because um, sometimes you see people who are actually quite frustrated um, because they're not operating at a level that they could. The, the, his work was uh, translated into a, a very simple model uh, around abstraction. You know, whether and you can you can hear this in in the next conversation that you have with anybody and you can, you, you'll see it every day of your life when I explain it to you, that, that the, the levels go from description to analysis, to linkage, to vision. So if you're talking to somebody and it's a description of what's going on and maybe then gets into analysis, that's very different from actually somebody who's actually saying, well, with that, shouldn't we be talking to, and is breaking the silo thinking and they're, they're in linkage, they're at level three. Right. And then somebody's going to come along to you with a marketing type of strategy, even though they're nowhere near marketing. You say, but surely this is something that Microsoft would be interested in or Google, you know, and you think, holy smoke, I never thought of that. So, you know, people will surprise you in these sort of more intellectual um, ca- capacities and capabilities as well as their the skill base. I like that. That's a really interesting one. So that's all we've got time for on this, this podcast now. Uh, okay. I'm going to talk to you about some other subjects in the future. But at this stage, thank you very much, Simon North. So that concludes this episode of Sparks. Thanks for listening. We're always looking for ideas on how to drive this podcast forward. So if you've got comments, please leave them via a review of our show, along with your rating. Or send us an email to sparks at eviumconsult.com. 